to play bodies, bodies, bodies. Oh, oh my god! Is anybody in service? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. I'm a hot girl. Hot girl, rich girl. Guys, I get so stressed out every time we play this. Someone always ends up crying. <laughs> So how do you play? If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Everyone else has to avoid being killed. What is that? Is that X you want one? Yeah. What is happening? Our friend is dead. So if you could just like not escalate this situation. That's I'm not escalating. You're holding the knife and you're moving your hands while you talk. <laughs> That would be so fucking obvious if I were the killer. David. More. You're always gaslighting me. You fucking trigger me. You are so toxic. Relax, relax. You're silencing me. That all you got, motherfucker? Did you just fucking shoot me? I can't believe you're making this about you. What are the features that you're bringing? Well, to I this? just look like I fuck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I look like I, I fuck. And that's the vibe I like to put out there. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, rich kids. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we are recording on, I guess, the wind-down portion of the weekend as opposed to a Monday, so kind of... Good to get this out even earlier than usual. So, uh, other than that, doing well. Uh, also with us, it's Don and Nelly. What's up, Don? Hey, what's going on? Always great to be here. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we are covering uh, the movie Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. As stated on last episode, had to push it a week, but uh, it's officially out there wide for everyone to see. So, um that is that and i will take the synopsis off imdb when a group of rich 20-somethings plan a hurricane party at a remote family mansion a party game turns deadly in this fresh and funny look at backstabbing fake friends and one party gone very very wrong all right i guess the question now is did the movie go very very wrong uh and we will start with venom for his general thoughts on bodies 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 all right my friends uh this is a day that i didn't think was coming at least not this soon uh, we all knew that you know no studio can be perfect and up till now i love pretty much everything a24 has ever done well go ahead and mark your calendar folks sunday mark uh excuse me sunday august 14th i fucking hate an a24 movie yes my friends i hated this movie now before anybody jumps on my case, you know, calling me a boomer for not understanding the movie or blah, 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 blah. Yes, I understand that it is, a, it is a satire. I understand that it is satirizing Internet culture and, you know, how millennials and even, you know, beyond millennials, post-millennials kind of treat each other. And, you know, the, the just like the description said, fake friends and backstabbing and everything else. But 
I just this this movie was a drag for me. I didn't enjoy one minute of this film. I, I don't I literally I can't think of one scene that I actually enjoyed in this movie. Now, I fully understand that this movie is not for me. I am a 50 plus year old horror fan. So I understand that I am not the target audience for this movie, but holy shit, that I hate every single person in this movie. Does the movie look nice? Does it look like an A24 film? Of course it does. Beautifully shot, wonderfully edited. I have no major issues with the acting performances other than maybe Pete Davidson because, um, I'm sorry folks, Pete Davidson is not an actor. He is a comedian. And every time he's in a movie or TV show, he is playing Pete Davidson. He is not a fucking actor, okay? Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, those are comedians that can act. And yeah, Pete Davidson's not there yet. He may get there. You know, I'm not just, I don't want to disparage his name necessarily. I am a fan of his comedy. I like his stand up stuff, I like his SNL stuff. But um, when I see him trying to be either serious or in this case doing a, a satire, it just, I don't know, it just did not work for me. I, I couldn't see past Pete Davidson. It's Pete Davidson, you know? I can't see the character behind the actor, unfortunately. Um, I hated this story. I just didn't like this story very much. And then a lot of people are talking about the the, the kind of twist ending or the reveal. I thought the reveal was maybe one of the funniest parts of the movie, but also one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's it's the kind of ending that makes a horror movie into a comedy. And after watching this movie, I am solidly saying this is not a horror film. This is not a fucking horror film. It's a horror film for most of the duration of your first watch. And then when you get that ending, I mean, I literally wanted to walk out of the theater. Luckily, it was the end of the movie anyway, so I guess I could, I, I was able to. But yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, folks, but I can't get behind this movie. This is an A24 movie that I just feel is, I, I can't even really, um, what's the term I'm looking for? I can't even really speak to how the writing is in this movie, because this movie is, like I said, it, it's like it was written by a 21-year-old who is always on the internet. And, you know, I guess if you're part of that culture, you're going to enjoy this movie more. If you're, a tw you know, if you're in high school, college, you know, a 20 something or young 30 something, I, I think you might enjoy this movie. But for me, a grizzled old horror fan, I just found this movie to be an absolute slag. I, it, I, if, if I were watching it at home, I probably wouldn't finish it. I would have stopped it long before the end of the film. I just, I'm sorry, it, 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 it pains me, it literally pains me to say such negative things about an A24 film, um, but yeah, this, this, I, I can't get behind this at all, and I, and I kind of know that I'm in the minority on this one, because I have been watching reviews, and it seems like most reviewers do like it, um, but for my money, satires are supposed to be funny, and for my money, there is literally nothing funny about this movie, except for the reveal of, you know, one of the idiotic characters doing something. That's literally the only thing that even got a chuckle out of me. So, yeah, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say this is a bad movie. I'm going to say that I'm not the audience for this movie, uh, which makes sense then that I just fucking hate this movie. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I hate this movie. I, I barely want to talk about it. Uh, I'm leaving my general thoughts at that. All right. Uh, let's move on over to... Don Anelli for your general thoughts. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I'm going to be a little bit higher than Venom, although I, I, I will echo a few um, points of his. Uh, first and foremost, um, I, I do want to say I do think the twist of this kind of takes it out of the 
horror realm. Um, I was kind of leaning towards it not even being one anyway. Uh, just, you know, a lot of uh, all of this vapid, you know, online bullshit that fuels the film kind of was making it feel kind of like a black comedy at points. And then, uh, you know, the, the twist ending kind of takes it even further into there. Um, that being said, I, I didn't mind it. I, I like the general setup. I think the game itself is fun. Uh, you know, it's nothing that's really all that original, but I, I like the way that it comes off here. Uh, you know, the the whole, you know, everybody kind of turns on each other kind of a thing that is kind of com- starting to become commonplace nowadays. All of these secrets get exposed and, you know, everybody's backstabbing and, you know, twists and turns and all that kind of stuff. It, it's fine. It's not original. It's not creative. Uh, should this have been a yeah, theatrical film to begin with? I don't think so with this kind of a setup. Um uh, a lot of it just feels kind of like a high budget, you know, direct to video film. And that's kind of, I think, the biggest issue here is that I didn't get the sense that outside of, you know, the general look of everything, it really needed to be a theatrical film. I mean, every, you know, the, the house itself looks fine. The storm kind of makes like a great little, you know, old school suspenseful throwback kind of a deal. And. <laughs> Every, the, the way it comes off, you know, like the atmosphere present in this kind of makes it feel, you know, a little bit bigger and grander than what it is. And I didn't mind all of that, but I, I, I just want to say this and I hope, you know, this is pr- prominent enough and, you know, we're tackling this soon enough that I really hope people listen to me when I say this. Can we stop with this fucking social media influencer shit? do horror fans even give a fuck about social media influencers can we stop appealing to us with these kind of characters i mean good god i either i've seen too many of these in too close of a span or the concept as a whole is just something that we never need to tackle ever again but I cannot for one second find anything even remotely appealing about anyone that even calls themselves a social media influencer. <laughs> like, okay, at best, these people are vapid, innocuous, irritating, aggravating, and you just want to punch them in the face. And that's their best qualities. <laughs> like, are we, we really supposed to care what these vapid dipshits are doing, killing each other for some stupid bullshit that matters only to them? Like, all of these secrets that get revealed and all of this backstabbing and all of this other kind of nonsense that gets played out here, it's not interesting. None of it is all of that enticing to sit through. And I, I think that's kind of where Venom is going with this not really appealing to him, because that's kind of where I was kind of starting to check out of it a little. This, you know, the setup is fine. You know, a bunch of dipshits get together at the house and decide to play this game, and you know, the hell breaks loose when you know this body's discovered. Okay, fine. You can take a setup from there and have some have some fun with it, but not with these kinds of people. You can't have any kind of a fun where the entire concept of what's going on is based around who's getting the most social media statuses for surviving the longest during the game. That's not fun. All of this other stupid, superficial nonsense is not fun. And what, pray tell, social media influencer do genre fans have? We don't have one. So we don't give a crap about the society. Stop trying to appeal to us with it. All right? Save that for the normie shit. We don't care for it. 
And yeah, that that was the 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 biggest thing for me was just I did not give one flying fuck who any of these people were. I I, I didn't care. And a lot of it is based on the fact that they're just social media influencers. They're just these rich yuppies with nothing better to do than hang around posting status updates all day long. And I don't give a fuck about those kinds of people. If I did, I'd be one. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it, I, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. But, yeah, there, there, there's, there's just not a lot here. There's not a lot that I can really recommend. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I don't even think that this is really much of a theatrical release. Uh, this should have been a straight-to-VOD kind of a film. But I, I can't say I absolutely hated it, but I can't say it's any good or worth your while. So I, I'm kind of conflicted about it. So if it appeals to you, fine. If not, you're not missing much. So... Yeah. yeah, it's. I'm probably gonna say that, like, if if you're a twenty-something that is on the internet constantly, who who considers themselves an influencer or a vlogger or or a Twitch streamer, whatever the case may be, those people might enjoy this movie. Like, there, right. I I can't imagine there aren't any genre fans whatsoever in that you know in that millennial group that are also hardcore social media users. So. I can. I just don't think that there's enough of a market to make a movie like this to go to theaters. Like Don is saying, aside from just the quality of the film not really garnering a theatrical release, the target audience for this are are I don't know are millennials running out to the theater, you know, during the tail end of a pandemic to see movies starring Pete Davidson. I mean, <laughs> is he really the driving force for a theatrical film now? Uh, I don't know. But like I said, the only people that I could see really enjoying this type of movie are the type of people who spend half their lives, if not more, on the Internet and, you know, constantly posting pictures. And like Don said, status updates, pictures of their food, everything else. Those are the people that are going to enjoy this movie. And the thing is that those are some of the loudest voices on the Internet right now. So I, I would imagine that, you know, if you just go and check any random movie review website, run by someone over, uh, excuse me, under like 50, they're probably going to like this movie a lot. You're going to see a lot of good reviews for it. But like I said, my my grizzled old ass just did not enjoy any of this movie. Like I literally every single person in this movie, someone I would punch in the face if I ever met in real life. And that includes the women. I'm sorry. They're vapid little dipshits. I hated every single person in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I would too. And like I said, that's their best quality. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm done, Mike. It's your turn. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, you guys uh, sound like our parents talking about the idiot teenagers in every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Because <laughs> I think this is yeah, this is definitely generational. And let's let's clarify. The, this is Gen Z, not millennials, because. I'm millennial, and I'm in, like, my 40s. Yeah, I said post-millennial. Yeah, I mean, mid-20s is definitely Gen Z. And I will say also, yeah, they grew up on the Internet because that's that's how they lived their entire life from birth. They have not experienced a non-digital world. So while I don't think that – I don't think all of these characters were necessarily trying to be influencers. They were just 
online, like a life online, and that's. Mm. And uh, the if, they were, to, if they were, then the film did an awfully shitty job of convincing us otherwise, because I thought they were all influencers. No, I don't think they're influencers. They're just people that live in a world of Twitter, but that doesn't make them influencers. That just makes you digitally connected all the time, 24-7. Unlike, uh, well, I guess it started to happen with some maybe younger millennials, but with us, the internet was just like another thing. It wasn't like our lives the way, and this is all generally speaking, of course. There's Gen Z people that don't live like that, but this was obviously a, you know, a, a, a satire on that generation or the upcoming generation now i would the two criticisms i guess it one pete davis pete davidson yeah he's there to be pete davidson i don't see much of what he did to like there's nothing that he did in this movie that they couldn't have got a no name to do which is interesting because most of the cast i I guess i don't want to use the term no name because they have done stuff and they're definitely uh, a couple of them have done some decent stuff, but they're they're young in their careers. They're new to wide audiences, I would well, say. So I guess I'll frame it like that. Except for the biggest star in the movie, of course. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, Who I am a fan of. I would have. I would imagine Mike is not a fan of him since Mike doesn't really watch a lot of uh, superhero movies, Disney, Marvel type stuff. But yeah, Lee Pace. I I, I love Lee Pace. I like him a lot. Um, I even like him in this movie as Greg, but I, I feel like his talents were wasted big time. <laughs> um, the the other thing I would say is I I thought this was a dark comedy period, and it didn't it wasn't the final reveal that uh, that put it over the top. But just about like ten fifteen minutes in, I was like, okay, the, tonally this is one hundred percent a comedy. There was a you know, there's horror elements sprinkled in because of the setup, I guess. And I guess there are you know, there are a couple uh maybe more than a couple, but there's a, like a handful of moments that are played like I guess a horror movie, but for the most part I I don't even think it's trying to not be a comedy. And this could just be mismarketing or like a marketing issue. But I don't think the movie's trying to like uh appear to be a horror movie. I just think it's straight Do you think up it's trying because to be a oh, I was going to say, do you think that's probably because this is an A24 film and their artistic highbrow elevated stuff and this is gener- this Gen Z kind of a thing where it, it feels kind of like a out of left field for them to do something like this? Like this would feel more of like a Bloomhouse kind of a thing, I would think. Yeah, big time. As I'm uh... watching it, it felt like a Bloomhouse movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do you think that's probably because A24, which, you know, everybody expects, like, you know, Witch and Lighthouse and Midsommar and Hereditary, and then all of a sudden they're getting something like this, which feels like, you know, tapped into the modern pop culture thing. Do you think that, you know, which is something that Blumhouse does? Do you think that's part of the reason? I mean, it could have. It could, it could just be because, yeah, it's it's a younger... It's definitely going for a younger demographic than I would say the typical A24 movie is going for. So maybe they felt they just had to market it in a in a more efficient way that that age group would want to go out to see it. Um, when by the time I got in the theater, it was like already starting to get dark, so I couldn't. Sometimes I'll like eyeball people coming in just to get a general sense of the type of crowd that are going to see it. But uh, I I want to say it was you know now that I'm getting being older, I, I, it's hard for me to say my age group because it's probably like people like at least a decade younger. But um, uh, man, now I got me off track. What I was saying. Oh yeah, but you know, I think 
I, I see there's I feel like especially with Venom's general thoughts, there's a lot of stuff that he said that I can't really disagree with, but it's really just personal taste stuff because we go back to like there's no characters I liked. Well, to me, I don't give a shit in the, if a movie to me that has zero bearing on my enjoyment of a movie. But I agree. I, I, I would say all all but one were designed to be dislikable. I think there's one where she's not really. I would say she's not unlikable. She, but it's obvious by the time we get to the end of the movie why she's probably the most neutral of the characters. Um, I think the I think the writing, you know, for what it was, I think the writing was that's why it's not uh, Blumhouse because I thought it was too clever and too good writing. I thought the commentary, the social commentary, was good. It's not a real serious social commentary because the movie's not overly serious like you would get from a lot out of A24, but I thought the satire that they were going for was on point. I thought, you know, it was kind of the point to, you know, speak about a group of people that are pretty much, you know, in one way, in one way or the other are causing things to happen for specific reasons, which I, it's hard to get into in general thoughts because I don't want to spoil anything. But um, I don't know, man. You know, is this going to be like my number one movie of the year? Obviously not. Uh, I don't think it's like that good. But I had a fun time with it. I I was. I think you're meant to laugh at the characters, not laugh with them. And I was laughing at the characters pretty much the whole time. Um, to me, I, I felt like I was reacting the way the movie wanted to me react. I thought I personally thought it was funny. And, oh God. Uh, oh. Ah! Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I didn't fucking laugh once. Not fucking I'm, once. I'm, what was I'm, funny? Please I'm explain. Sorry. It to me. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to say. Like I, it, like, like I said, what was, it's just, what was it's a just funny a line? Like, like, just give me one example. Like, give me one I example of something that made you t- chuckle. I mean, I don't know if I can quote actual dialogue, but just give like. <laughs> I mean, the whole movie, just the way it was written and the the, the way you would get um, breaks in the tension going because of the vapidness. To me, the movie was doing that on purpose. And I was and what the characters would say to totally make the situation about themselves when at least at the time they they feel something serious is going on. I felt it was written tonally in a way that was meant for us to laugh at them. No, like, you're right. I would, we were meant to laugh at them. See, I think this but that's is still laughing. Years but, but if you're laughing, laughing at them, then it's still comedic. No, I wasn't not laughing, laughing at all. I wasn't laughing at them, with them. It wasn't funny to me. What I was trying to say is, this is the fundamental difference between Mike and I. We were born exactly two years apart. He sees comedic value in this movie. I absolutely do not. I think these are just awful people that and i know that's what the, that's wait a minute the we were born two years that apart that, what two ten years, years ten, exactly. oh i thought you said two i was like what the ten. hell happened okay oh 10 years apart what i'm saying is that mike sees these kinds of people and he might smile because maybe he's interacted with some or maybe he knows some because he's kind of of that age group maybe at the tail end of the age group but he still is a millennial Whereas I would never in a fucking million years associate with anybody in this movie. I don't find vapid people funny. That's the thing. A lot of people do, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you find idiotic, empty-headed movie characters funny, cool. More power to you. I do not. 
that's why this movie just doesn't work for me. This is a movie filled with shitty characters. And again, for the for the twelfth time, I understand this is a satire. I'm going to say that at least twenty more times today. I understand this is a satire. It did not work for me as a satire. It didn't work for me as a comedy. It didn't work for me as a horror movie. It didn't work for me as a form of entertainment. I just, like I said, we just got off uh, doing Resurrection last week, which again, I talked about how it was just an hour and 45 minutes of frustration. This was an hour and a half of frustration, but a different kind of frustration. You know, like like last week, I was constantly questioning the decisions that the characters were making. This week, I didn't even care what the decision making was. These people were all so vapid and stupid. I, I just did not... Um, relate to any of them I, I couldn't empathize i couldn't sympathize it just it's a it's a group of people that i would never associate with so i personally oops i personally think it makes 100 cents uh 100 sense that i hate this movie because i think this movie was made for people like me to hate you know what i mean this movie wasn't made for fucking uh gen xers or you know whatever or even older it was made for the younger generation. They're the ones that are going to find the entertainment value. And I think you're seeing that with me and Mike, how Mike is 10 years younger than me. And he is finding value and he's finding comedic value in this movie that I just am not seeing at all. It just shows that we come from two different worlds, you know, 10 years. It doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it's a fucking eternity when it, when you're talking about, um, you know, the kind of personality you might have or the kind of things that you you know, enjoy blah, 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 things like that. So yeah, I just, oof. Uh, God bless you, Mike. Uh, once again, two weeks in a row, you like a movie more than I do. And I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> but Okay. Here's a, here's the thing. Cause I need you to further elaborate on, because me personally, it, it doesn't matter like what generations mean Saturn. Like I understand if you're, how can I put this? Like, because I see movies that satirize like boom, like baby boomer generation. I see movies that satirize like the hippie generation, the greatest generation. Right. And to me, it has zero bearing. Like when you're saying like, well, I, these characters, I hate them. It's not funny to me. Is that just a Gen Z specific, the type of, because to me, yes, it, what this movie is doing, it's taking these stereotypes of like the people that live you know, their entire life to the Twitter verse where like everything is a hashtag or everything is like there, there's always more to every conversation than just having a conversation in a moment. It's obviously taking that stereotype to the absurd with these characters. So to me, people that dislike that aspect of Gen Z, I would have figured that they would be watching this and laughing at the stupidity of these characters even more so then I would think the young generation would watch this and feel like they're the ones being attacked and not like it because they see merit in that kind of life. Whereas starting, I guess with me as an elder millennial and, 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 uh, older generations, they would watch these characters and laugh their asses off at them because this is almost reinforcing all the awful start. Well, I won't say awful, but just stereotypes and all the things that the older generation are already railing Gen Z about daily on social media and elsewhere. To me, that this movie's like serving it up to you, like, yeah, see, we're reinforcing every all that stuff you guys say. So, to I, I like, still, I, it's not funny. I just don't understand. Like I said, I don't understand how it's funny. You're trying to explain it to me, and I understand what you're saying, and I understand your point. 
And I'm not going to say that it, the movie's not funny because, you know, objectively people seem to think it's funny. That's fine. I'm saying that to me, I did not laugh until the very end, until we got the reveal. And I just chuckled at the stupidity of the reveal. But that's it. Nothing about this movie. I, I literally facepalmed at least eight times in this movie. That, that tells you a little bit of something about me. Um, I just I can't sympathize with these characters. I can't empathize with anybody. I can't relate to them. I, I mean, I sound like a crotchety old man. And guess what? I fucking am. So, and, and I wear that badge proudly. I've been on this earth for more than 50 years. I fucking deserve to be a crotchety old man. But I, I watch movies with young audiences and they entertain me or not young audiences, young casts. You know, it, it's not that it's a it's not that it's a Gen Z movie. It's just this particular group of Gen Zers are people that I would never ever associate with in real life so why do i want to watch a movie about them even if the movie is making fun of them please tell me why i would want to watch that i have no desire to there's nothing drawing me to a movie like that on top of the fact that i don't have the same mentalities of gen zers that people do the whole oh they're lazy they're entitled they're you know complacent i i that's i never fucking thought that about gen z ever this is not the same world that we were, you know, post-World War II. This is a very different world. And, and any fucking person who looks at an entire generation and just calls them lazy, you're, you're just a stupid piece of shit that doesn't know what's going on. All right? I, I, I work with a lot of young people. They are very hardworking. And I know, I know, I'm, 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 I'm generalizing. I understand this. But the point is, since I've never had that thought of, I've never hated Gen Z ever in a fucking million years have I ever disliked or hated anything that millennials do. So why would I enjoy this movie? Okay. Did, did, you, did you think the movie is like something like Clueless was funny? Or have you not uh, seen it? Because to me, because to me, that's almost that. the. I mean, that's almost doing the same thing for Gen X, or maybe I guess you would say uh, that that it's kind of smack dab in between me and you, the, the ages in that. Sure. But to me, that's doing the same thing. It's it's a bunch You're of stupid, right. vapid characters, and Clueless is considered like a comedic classic. Now, not to everybody, obviously, but I but I think this movie's basically doing the same thing as Gen Z. In a, I would say mildly horror setting because, like I said, I still find it more as a satirical comedy than horror. But for those that just want to call it a horror movie, I think this, you know, every every so often you get those movies that attack like the current upcoming younger generation, usually seen through the eyes of like the generation that preceded it, because it's like I said, it's a vague generalization or just absurd stereotype version. So that's why that's why I was just trying to get the at the heart of like, is this like a vapid Gen Z thing or just nope. you don't find uh, you, you just don't find this specific movie the way they did it very funny? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. There have been plenty of Gen Z stuff. I, I mean, shit, we reviewed movies with young casts that you know. Uh, I mean, hell, Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the, the new one that we did this year. I, I famously liked it more than anybody on the show. You know, because, you know, and not to say that I was necessarily forgiving of its stupidity. I still railed on its stupidity, but I can enjoy that movie. I watched it and enjoyed it. And I could even see myself watching it again. There is nothing about bodies, bodies, bodies that I enjoyed. Not the score, not the cinematography or the editing, not the acting, not the dialogue, not the story, not the gore, not the kills. 
there's literally nothing I like about this movie, and I am so heartbroken. I mean, this is this is up until now my favorite, and they still are pretty much my favorite modern movie studio. I still look forward to every A24 movie, you know, with bright eyes and bushy tails, but uh, this is just a very disappointing movie to me. I don't know. I just, yeah, it's just not for me. That's all. You know, I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. I'm not going to say you shouldn't watch it. Just like with last week, this is two weeks in a row now where I absolutely fucking hate the movie that we're reviewing, but I'm still saying that there's a lot of merit to it and it, I, people should watch it. It, Both movies though are just not for me. That's it. That's all. So, all right, cool. Understood. Now my, my last question, I guess for me, before we go to general thoughts is how do you, how do you think the depiction of Gen Z compares to like a movie like I'll say Scream Five? Because my immediate my immediate thoughts after this movie, I was trying to think in my head like what else have I seen this year that specifically is featuring like the next generation? Which the only thing I could think of at the moment was Scream Five, two movies that take a specific stark different attitude sure. because when you look at screen five and this is a this is more a screen thing not screen five specific it just happens to be now we're in you know gen z sure. but screen like what screen usually tends to do is every time they come out with a new sequel it's like the next generation lecturing everybody why the the new upcoming generation is so much better and smarter and we have it all figured out and then the movie usually says actually you know you don't like you might be smarter in some ways but you're gonna you're going to, you know, stumble into all the same follies that you claim that you were better at detecting and all that. Whereas this one almost does the opposite to the new generation and says, well, here's why you're also a bunch of idiots, like right up front with the dialogue and different attributes of why you're connected. And it's funny because both movies kind of feature, you know, younger people in the world where you're connected digitally a lot more. Um, so I thought, to me, like kind of driving home in the movie, it was, it was just kind of swimming around in my head, like the contrast of how they handle generations. So I thought it was kind of interesting, as because I, I was trying to think, like, well, what other movies have really come out that you could like stamp as like at least I would say an attempt to be like a quote unquote voice of the next generation, right? Yeah, Texas so. Chainsaw was, uh, like I said, the one that from this year. Is another example. Uh, I know it's a bad example. I understand that. But isn't it funny that it's the one I enjoy the most of the three that we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it once and it's been a long. We just have to agree to disagree. It's not a big deal. Like I said, I'm not. It feels like anybody who says this is a good movie, rock on. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. All I'm saying is. I didn't like it. It doesn't. It didn't resonate with me. I hated every second I spent with this movie, literally from the beginning. Like almost. Like well, what the fuck was with that opening uh, makeout scene? Like what? Jesus, that was like it was like two straight minutes of two lesbians making out with no context whatsoever. Is that entertaining? I don't know. Well, somebody, somewhere uh, likes it. Yes. I'll hey, answer that. I'll, I'll answer that after we stop recording. No, no, and I and trust me, I know the answer that you're going with, and I 100% agree with you. But that was not the context of this scene, <laughs> by any stretch. It, it, it's one thing if you're going to compare the lesbian scene in Black Swan to a couple of chicks just kind of making out. <laughs> that that's not erotic to me. I forgot which two chicks was it. What? Do you remember? In in this movie? Yeah. The 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 the, the couple. The, the couple, because. Yeah, because yeah, remember that's when she, she likes loved her. She said, "I love you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Hey, I remember now. Sorry, I, I saw it Thursday night because I knew I had a busy weekend. And we didn't even know initially we'd be recording today, so I didn't know what I would be able to fit in. And uh, because I was going to say, if it was actually the couple, then the only justification I could say is like, well, they're really trying to establish like their love and or at least I guess one side of love, but somewhat trust in a relationship, which we see where that goes <laughs> in the movie eventually. But anyways, I, I think we're kind of like brushing up against the most we can say without spoilers anyway. So I don't even know if you want to do a walkthrough. It sounds like you're kind of like, eh, on doing it. But <laughs> it's going to be have- quick. That's for yeah, sure. I mean, if we have things to say that pertaining to actual events in the movie, that will still be the time to do it. So I'm pretty much good with general thoughts. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I don't want to. Like I said, folks, I hate shitting on movies. I do, especially eight two four. For fuck's sake, this is not. I, I do not enjoy this. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing right now. You know, uh, disparaging an eight two four movie. It's not something I enjoy. But unfortunately, I have to be honest to myself, and I have to be honest to our listeners. I did not enjoy this movie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it's A24. And I was prepared to, let me tell you, because I had heard, I had seen a couple of podcasters, you know, I, you guys know I don't watch trailers or read reviews, but I did see a couple of podcasters chime in this weekend um, with, with some split reviews, some really po- some positive, some kind of middle of the road, but nobody really flat out said it was terrible. So that's why I'm kind of thinking I'm in the minority here because I'm the first person that I know that flat out has said, I hate this fucking movie. And well, when I was <laughs> when I was walking out of my theater, before I even got to my car to have the Scream 5 comparison, the, the legitimate first thought I had was, hmm, there's not a lot of characters in that movie for Venom to like, so I'm wondering <laughs> if he liked the movie. <laughs> like, I, I legitimately thought that, because I was like, and yeah, When I say like, sure. I don't necessarily mean the literal definition of the word. I mean that I get that the character gets an emotional response from me, either positive or negative, as in they're a protagonist that I like, that I want to see survive, that I get behind, or it's an antagonist who's either really cool or different and original in some way. What I mean by likable is at least some aspect of it, uh, of the character or of the situation, whatever the case may be. There is literally not one character in this movie to me like, I didn't even hate anybody in this movie. They were so fucking vapid. Like I said, I would never hang out with anybody like this, so I would never hang out with them long enough to hate them. <laughs> so I don't necessarily hate, you know, these types of uh, Gen Zers or, or millennials, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Um, you know, I don't in- inherently hate any generation before or after mine. It's, you know, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I, <laughs> if there was one character that I was somewhat sympathetic to i mean i i I don't think you have to go as far as say you like them but at least like some understanding of it it would be one half of that relationship couple because she was kind of thrown into a new situation where she didn't know people so at least her her, uh oh go ahead i was was just gonna say her actions felt kind of justified go ahead (laughs) okay i was just gonna say out of all the characters it felt like the way she was kind of progressing into the story made the most sense because in that situation, it seems like that's how, and I'm, I'm not even talking once the, we get to the heart of everything that's going on, but kind of like her, her quietness, the way she is observing versus jumping right in the way she at one point maybe overindulges because she's trying to fit in with like to me that she was like probably the most, unstereotypical Gen Z character in the movie out of them. She just came off as like 
Ooh, a regular I person. I disagree. Don't forget, she was a liar, too. Now, granted, you could say that she lied for a good reason, you know, because she wanted, um, what was her face, uh, Sophie? She wanted Sophie to like her and to, you know, be in a relationship with her, but she still did lie, period. Yeah, but li- lying's not a Gen Z thing. Every, every no, generation lies. lies. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about Gen Z. I'm, I'm just saying, like, about, she I'm wasn't concerned about, about like... We're talking about the right, characters but, in this movie and whether and the likability of any of them. You're right. I did start to like B a little bit, but then once we hear more about her, it's like, well shit, you're you're just as you're almost as bad as Jordan, except you didn't shoot anybody. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, she's the quiet sweet girl, but she did still lie to the girl that she supposedly wants to have a relationship with. In and of it, that's a toxic trait right there. I mean, that's a fucking red flag. If she's going to lie about stupid shit like that now, what is she going to be willing to lie about later? So, yes, she may have been the most likable one in the movie, but I still fucking hated her because I still had issues with her. And I knew there was something wrong with her from the start. Honestly, I thought she was the killer, to be honest. I thought they they tried to see, and that goes into the whole whodunit aspect, which I guess everyone's everyone's um, going to have a different uh, opinion on how even strong that was. But I thought they were trying to plant that seed. And then I thought, okay, that's too obvious. And then there was little things in the movie where it seemed like they purposely tried to plant seeds with other characters, which we can get into. Yeah, every character but in this movie. Even her lie. Okay, well, when I say Gen Z, I just mean, like, out of all the characters, she seemed to be the one that wasn't attached to like social media and her phone and like everything she does at the party is not trying to, Oh, we got to post this. And you know, it didn't feel like she was making all these stupid decisions or having these stupid, like, you know, side conversations with every, every time an incident happened, I'll say that she, she was just taking the situation or trying to take the situation for what it was. Whereas everyone else was like, yeah, we think this just happened, but let's take some time out to, argue because this person didn't say this the right way or like she didn't seem to be doing all that so that's all i mean was like she came off the most just kind of neutral in general generally speaking i can agree with that that's fine i can agree with that doesn't mean i like her (laughs) i mean that's fair that's fair yeah all right take it away unless donna has anything else I'm good. Don's been so quiet. (laughs) And Uh, it's funny because Don doesn't hate this movie like I do. I I should be the quiet one. (laughs) Yeah, but I I just... I I, I don't know what else to add based on you guys because I hate the film for Venom's reasons, but then I like the film because I I kind of like reasons, you know, like the setup. I, I like the game. I like the way that everything kind of just builds, and I like the way that everything just unravels. That's the part of the film that I like, and I, I, I'm kind of on Venom's side with it, not with everybody being just an abhorrent piece of shit. So I, I don't have much else to add to this conversation because I, I, I like I like the film for different reasons than what's being brought up, but I hate the film for what you guys are talking about. So I don't have <laughs> I don't have much else to add to it. All right, folks. Well, that's our final uh, spoiler warning. We're going to get into the movie a little bit. Um, I don't know that I'm going to do a true walkthrough, but just real quick, just so we can introduce all the characters. Our movie opens with Sophie and B, two lesbians, uh, as I mentioned earlier, just kind of making out for no reason, just, uh, you know, no context. Oh, obviously there's a reason, but you know what I mean? At this point in the movie, there's just, I mean, the movie literally opens with two lesbians, like a close up of two girls kissing and, you know, 
it, it sets a weird tone for the movie is all. Uh, we find out that the uh, the black girl's name Sophie. The white girl is a uh, a foreigner who ha- goes who went to college at Utah. Her name is B. Uh, they are going to a hurricane party. I'm sure most of you have seen the trailer. Basically, uh, a hurricane is coming, and uh, Pete Davidson plays David, uh, a rich kid who, you know, his father has this great big house that apparently that that, that he doesn't use. Maybe it's a vacation house. I don't know. Um, and they are planning on having a hurricane party. Once the hurricane starts, they're going to start playing games, um, you know, things like that, drinking, drugs, sex, whatever the hell else, blah, blah, blah. When they get to the house, they meet the rest of their crew. Uh, we meet Alice and uh, Alice and Greg, who are together. Alice is, uh, you know, a young girl, one of the original friends. Greg is actually an outsider, um, played by 43-year-old Lee Pace, hanging out with a bunch of 20-year-olds. See, now that's the reason why I hated Greg, because what kind of self-respecting 40-year-old is hanging out with a bunch of 21-year-olds? I don't know, whatever. Um, so anyway, uh we meet uh, those two, like I said, Greg and Alice. We meet Emma, Emma and David. Emma, uh, David, of course, played by Pete Davidson. Emma is his girlfriend or his plaything for the weekend, however you want to look at it. And uh, finally, we meet Jordan. Jordan is another black girl in the group, and she uh, actually is the ex-girlfriend of Sophia. So, of course, that's going to add a whole new element to the thing. Oh, boy. Look out for the drama. Um, and that's pretty much your entire cast. I mean, we meet one more character at the very, very end of the movie who's spoken about throughout the movie, but we don't see him until literally the last scene, and that's a gentleman named Max. Doesn't really have a big role in the movie so much as he was a red herring for a little while, because before the party started, apparently he got into an argument with David. Uh, they got into a fist fight, and Max ended up leaving. So when the shit started to hit the fan at the party, most people thought it was Max at first. Um, I think it was because of Emma. I think Max was also in love with Emma, but Emma was in love with David. Blah, blah, blah. Crap, crap, crap. Okay. So we're at the party. We're at the house. Of course, B being the kind of quiet, skittish girl instantly is the target of all the cool white kids. Or all, Well, I shouldn't say white. There's a lot of minorities here. Um, the cool rich kids, I guess, would be a better way to put it. You know, of course, putting her through the ringer, everything else, uh, you know kind of making fun of her, trying to get her to come out of her shell, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They end up playing the game Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And for those who don't know, I actually played this game when I was younger, but I don't think we called it Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I think we called it X marks the spot, if I remember correctly. But basically, it was the same thing. Um, You take a sheet of paper, you cut it up into sections, you put an X on one particular piece of paper, you fold them up so that it's a secret ballot, everybody gets a piece, Whoever gets the X on their piece of paper is the quote-unquote killer for the evening. And, of course, the game is all the people who are not the killer, all the victims, have to avoid the killer. And the killer basically can just walk up to them from behind, touch them on the back, and they are officially dead. They have to lay on the ground and, uh, you know, and just be quiet until someone, until one of the victims who hasn't been killed yet runs into one of the dead bodies on the ground and then yells bodies, 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 and the lights come on. And then it's basically a whodunit, like a, like a Q and a 20 questions, if you will, to try to figure out who the real killer is. Uh, they end up playing the game. Uh, Greg, our, our older gentleman played by Lee Pace 
is, uh, and I say older gentleman, I mean, he's a fucking hunk. I mean, he's big buff. He's one of those, you know, he's one of those dilfs, definitely, that uh, 20-something-year-old girls want to get with. So it's not like he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't belong there so much as I'm questioning. And I don't know that he's 40-something in the movie. I mean, he's very obviously older because they make a comment how, you know, he's much older than the rest of the group. I don't know if he's actually supposed to be his real age, but I mean, he looks at, he's a, you know, he's a good looking 40 something year old guy. So whatever. Anyway, well, yeah. Right. I, I think they justify it because they met on Tinder, right? Which is always a kind of a random matchup. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, any 21 year old girl or, you know, tw- a 20 something year old girl is going to look at Greg showing up at their door and be like, damn, like they're not going to worry about the fact that he's 40, just that he's hot. So, you know. yeah, it looks like one of those situations where like they, cause I think she makes a comment later in the movie that, they've only like known each other for like what a couple weeks yeah and so it's obviously was like they matched on tinder we're probably boning and she like either talked him in or tricked him in hey go to this party with my friends and obviously he seems out of place because he looks like my age yeah okay so after uh somebody finds greg's body um, they turn on all the lights and they get together to try to decide who the killer is um obviously there's back and forth you know, that's supposed to be funny. I didn't find any of it funny, of course, but uh, I'm sure some people will. Some back and forth accusations and, you know, talk, toxic, um, what do you call it, accusations and enabling. And it's just so many Internet buzzwords in this movie. It was actually starting to make my head hurt after a while because they used those words so much that they were just losing meaning after a while. They they genuinely were. They were losing all their strength. So, um so yeah, like I said, see, that, uh-huh. to me, that was like the point of it. Like, oh, you're right. Uh, I'm sure you're right. But that doesn't, we're supposed that doesn't to kind of be looking like at this. <laughs> well, you don't have to. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, but that, again, that doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, like I said, um, they decide to try to figure out who the killer is. Hence the rules of the game. Um, the consensus is that it's David, because right before they started playing the game, David actually punched. Um, Greg in the face trying basically they were playing uh, slap face, you know, and, uh, the drinking game. And um, basically B had to slap day uh, had to slap uh, David, but she kept tapping him like, you know, bit, you know, she's timid. She doesn't want to take a full on swing. And then, uh, you know, David turns to Greg and says, no, hit, hit me like this. And he just full on punches Greg in the mouth. It was actually almost kind of funny, almost made me laugh. Um, Greg, of course, gets pissed off. He becomes kind of our first red herring, if you will. Ultimately, everyone in this movie is a red herring at one point or another, which, of course, is probably the point. Uh, Any good whodunit, everyone should be a red herring at some point. So uh, Greg, of course, kind of leaves in a huff. He's kind of pissed off because I think he senses that everyone that everyone kind of looks at him as an outsider because he's, you know, the older guy who's scamming on a young you know, girl, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so he ends up leaving in a huff. Uh, and then once the consensus is that David is the killer of the game, bodies, 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 he gets pissed off. I don't know why. It's just a stupid fucking game. But he gets pissed off that everyone thinks he's the killer. He smashes a glass vase in his house and he ends up leaving. And then he just goes outside for whatever reason. Um while back in the house, you know, the people are going back and forth with, you know, more accusations, more toxicity, more, oh, I don't like you, you don't like me, blah, 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 garbage, 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 garbage. Anyway, that, hey, that's what the movie should have been called, garbage, garbage, garbage. I like it. Anyway, um, 
eventually someone goes outside and finds David dead spot. Uh, David's dead body. He is outside in the rain. It looks like someone slit his throat and found near his body is a sword that Greg was playing with earlier. Uh, basically, Greg uh, took this sword and he did that um, kind of that TikTok thing where people open a champagne bottle with a sword, you know, where they basically just cut the top of it off. So he, he basically did that successfully. Um, so when they find David's dead body and they find the bloody sword lying next to him, of course, everyone thinks it's Greg because, you know, Greg was playing with the sword earlier and David just punched Greg in the face no more than five minutes earlier. So at this point, everyone thinks Greg is the killer. So they're all they're, they're looking all over the house for Greg. Greg, after he got pissy, said he was going to just go back up to his bedroom and go to bed. But when they go up to the bedroom to look for him, he's not actually there. So everybody's thinking that, you know, he's the killer. Eventually, they do end up finding him in the basketball court. Apparently, this is a nice ass mansion because they got their own basketball court indoor, I might add. Uh, they they find Greg in there using one of those uh, light masks, the, the light therapy that some people use on their face and other parts of their body. Um, and he has no idea what's going on. He literally, because uh, this, this gym, this indoor basketball court, seems pretty soundproof because the storm outside is pretty loud. But as soon as the characters walk into this room, it's quiet. It's dead quiet. You don't hear the rain anymore. So, you know, it's probably safe to say that it's a, pretty, a fairly soundproof room. Of course, uh, the rest of the people, you know, minus David, who's now dead, they all walk into the room. They instantly accuse Greg. Greg has no idea what's going on. At one point, Greg actually thinks that they're fucking with him, that David's not dead, that they're just trying to make him feel uh, bad because, you know, him and David had a little scuffle earlier, whatever the case may be. And he thinks that it's a practical joke. But then when he sees um, one of them holding a meat cleaver he, and, and then another one holding a kitchen knife, he realizes, wait a minute, they're not fucking around. They actually think that I did something. So then he is able to disarm one of the girls, grab a butcher knife from her. So now he has a knife in his hand and we have like a little Mexican standoff, but with knives instead of guns where, you know, everybody's kind of at odds and facing each other. Um, at one point, Greg starts almost like, almost like he's admitting that he's the killer, but he's just fucking around. Obviously he's, he thinks he's trying to add levity to the situation, but it's really just making everything worse. And then suddenly out of nowhere, sudden somebody hits Greg from behind. All we hear is the hit and we hear, and we see Greg just kind of freeze uh, in the spot that he's in. Then we see some blood start to trickle on his forehead the camera suddenly pans behind him to show B holding a uh, what are those kettleballs? Is that what those are called? Kettleballs? Those uh, those metal balls that we see uh, at the kettle gym. Kettlebell. Kettlebell. Thank you. Um, so basically, B ends up hitting Greg with one of those, and those things are like ten pounds or more. Uh, so obviously he's all fucked up. He does end up trying to get up after the initial hit and B ends up hitting him again, pretty much finishing the job. Greg is now completely dead. And it's funny because as soon as Greg died, it's like the attention went to someone else. You know what I mean? It's like as soon as Greg is dead and then, you know, without ever anybody even finding another body, which they do eventually, I'll get to that in a little bit, but it, these people are so toxic that they're at the drop of a hat, they're willing to turn on each other, you know, fake friendship, of course, as the uh, movie description mentions. 
Um, at this point, I think um, Emma, who is David's girlfriend, she's the most distraught, of course. Um, you know, she's you can tell that she's a very delicate flower of the bunch. You know, she's not like a hardcore bitch like some of the other ones. Um, and um, Sophie ends up finding some drugs, apparently uh, some drugs that her brother. By the way, Sophie and David were brother and sister. I totally forgot to mention that. But there you go. Um so Sophie found some drugs that she knew her brother hid in some ping pong balls somewhere in his room. Um, while she was finding those drugs, Emma kind of crosses her path. They end up having a little bit of an altercation that starts as an argument, but then ends with them hugging and apologizing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Sophie ends up giving Emma one of the drugs, well, one of the pills that's in the little baggie that she found. A couple of minutes later, literally a couple of minutes later, um, what's the girl's name? Alice uh, ends up finding Emma's dead body at the bottom of the stairs. Um, what's funny is that they mentioned that it looks like she fell down the stairs, but to me, it looked like somebody bashed her in the head. She had a very clear uh, like gash on her head. Um, not to say that it's impossible that she couldn't have gotten that by falling down the stairs. It's, it's quite possible, definitely. But just the way that they kind of framed it, it almost looked like an axe wound or a knife wound or something. But, you know, again, whatever. Um, so suddenly, you know, they realize that Greg is not the killer because uh, another body has been discovered. And um, I think they accuse Jordan. They end up accusing Jordan of pushing Emma down the stairs because at this point, everyone in the movie has had arguments. Everyone has been yelling, you know, calling each other different names and expletives and everything else. So at this point, everybody suspects everybody. Um, so, yeah, after Emma is found on the, uh, at the bottom of the stairs, the new suspect is now B. And the reason that B is now the new suspect is because Jordan, before they decided to go on this trip, Jordan did a little bit of research um, on B, you know, kind of looked up her information and found out that there nobody by that name graduated Utah State this year, which is what B was saying, that she had graduated Utah State. And once that accusation comes out, instantly B becomes the main suspect. And she's basically kicked out of the house. And this is the middle of a hurricane, mind you. So it's pouring outside. The wind is gusting hard. And they literally kick her out of the house. They push her outside. They lock all the doors. She ends up uh, going back to uh, Sophie's car to, you know, get a hoodie just, you know, because she's obviously soaked. Um, once she gets redressed with dry clothes, she runs back to the house to try to find another way in. And what she ends up seeing by accident is Jordan grabbing a gun out of one of her bags. Mm -hmm. um, remember, Jordan is Sophie's ex-girlfriend. So, yeah, um, B sees uh, Jordan taking the gun out of the bag. She finds an open window um, in another part of the house. She gets back into the house. And then rather than trying to hide and just be safe, she goes and finds our three survivors, you know, our three remaining girls. And she accuses Jordan of having a gun. She says, I, I saw her with a gun. I think she's the killer or, you know, something along those lines. Jordan, of course, denies it. When B tells Jordan to empty her pockets, um, she, she does so. She empties her pockets and there's nothing in there. But what does what they do see in her pocket is the little yellow piece of paper with the X on it. So Jordan was actually our killer. 
And it just shows how, what a fucking, I mean, everybody in this movie is toxic as shit, but Jordan, especially Jordan. I don't know that Jordan told the truth at any point in this movie. It just seems like she constantly, constantly is lying. And a perfect example of that is coming up right now. Um, after uh, Jordan empties her pockets and they see that she doesn't have a gun on her, that's when B goes to Sophie and basically fesses up about her story and admits that she's lying, that she did go to Utah State for one year, but that her mother ended up getting sick and you know couldn't afford to pay for her, her schooling anymore. So she basically had to quit school and get a job. But because she wanted Sophie to like her, she didn't want to admit that she was basically an unemployed college dropout, which is basically exactly what B was, um, because she didn't have a job. Um, so Sophie had been taking her to the mall to a perceived job that she had, but she was basically just hanging out at the food court all day. Hmm. Um, so after this revelation, Sophie and B end up, you know, hugging and kissing and kind of forgiving each other. And then at that moment, Jordan pulls out a fucking gun. <laughs> proving that she's the fucking liar in this whole thing. She pulls out a gun and, and she just starts railing on the three people that are left that are, you know, the, the three survivors, the three other survivors. She just starts railing on them, talking about all their toxic traits, everything that's wrong with them. Um, you know, I'm not even going to go, go down the list of all the things that were said. I don't remember or care to anyway, but what, what ends up happening is Alice ends up accusing Jordan of coming from an upper middle class family, uh, which really doesn't sound like that big an insult, but apparently to these rich, to these rich kids, that's like the biggest insult you could fucking say <laughs> that you're not rich, you're upper, upper middle class. Um, and Alice starts repeating it. You're upper middle class. You're not upper class and blah, blah, blah. Eventually you could see Jordan's face just, you know, getting more and more insane looking. And finally she shoots uh, Alice in the leg, literally just shoots her in the leg. And literally one second later, Alice screams out, what the fuck you shot me? And Jordan says, no, I didn't. What? Does Jordan have PTSD or does she have like, like I, I literally, she spent the rest of this scene while holding a fucking gun in her hand saying, I didn't shoot you. I didn't shoot you. Literally, she did it in front of everybody. So I don't know what kind of toxic trait that is, but holy shit. Um, so then at this point, um, there's a struggle for the gun, obviously, you know, the traditional struggle for the gun. The gun goes off and Alice gets shot in the neck. And now Alice is dead. That leaves us with Sophie, B, and Jordan as our final three survivors. Um, the very next scene, there's uh, there's yet another struggle for the gun. This time it's B and Sophie. Uh, excuse me, it's B and Jordan who are struggling for the gun, kind of wrestling around. Uh, they're right near the banister. They're up on the top floor of the mansion, and they're right near the banister. And B does this fucking ninja ass, almost like a judo move, like some Ronda Rousey shit, where she basically throws um, Jordan over the banister. Jordan lands on a coffee table, doesn't die instantly. She kind of, she, she looks up, and um, I think her last words were, check your texts. The reason that she says that is because she accuses Sophie of um, calling her just before 
the camping trip for them to get together and have sex. So basically Jordan is accusing Sophie of cheating on B with her literally the day before all of this is happening. Um, and then the last thing she says before she dies is check her text. She, she fires off the gun a couple of more times up, you know, cause B and Sophie are still up on the top level. So she fires off her gun a couple of more times. And uh, that's the last we see of her at least alive anyway. Um, so then we're down to our final two. We're down to Sophie and B, the two girls who started this movie in a relationship. It's the next morning. The sun has come out. B is trying to leave the house and Sophie comes up behind her and gives her a hug, just kind of embraces her really hard. At that point, um, B pulls out the gun that Jordan had. She pulls out Jordan's gun and tells Sophie to give me, give, give me your phone. I need to check your text. And instantly Sophie is, is no, no, you're not going to look at my phone, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they get into not, not a scuffle, but like I said, she's uh, B is holding a gun on Sophie to get the phone. Uh, Sophie then takes the phone and throws it uh, across the yard. And then there's a struggle. Then they both kind of run and dive towards the phone at one point in the struggle, they both fall in the pool. Then they both get out of the pool. They both go and grab the phone. And then, I don't know, it's really weird. Out of nowhere, uh, Sophie just decides, all right, fuck it. Take it. Take the phone. <laughs> and, and, and then they're both looking at it together. And then they realize that it's not Sophie's phone. Um, I don't know why B knows the password to Sophie's phone, but she types it in and it doesn't open. And that's when Sophie says, hey, this isn't my phone. What's going on? They realize that it's David's phone, Pete Davidson's character. So they go, they go to David's dead body. They, they prop his eyes open so that they can do the face ID thing to unlock the phone. The phone is successfully unlocked. And we get our reveal, folks, of what the hell happened this entire fucking evening, or at least what started this whole thing. What we see on the phone is a video of David trying to open the champagne bottle with the sword, just like Greg did earlier in the movie. Because when Greg did it, all the girls were like, ooh, ooh so cool. And, you know, of course, David being, you know, the jealous rich kid was unimpressed. And then he goes and tries to do it himself. So what we see is we see him trying to open the bottle, um, you know, away from him the way you're supposed to do it at first. And, and it's not working. And we can see that he's getting frustrated. So then he turns the bottle around and he starts swiping at it towards himself. Like literally he's swiping the sword. So the bottle, like the cork is facing him and he's trying to open the fucking bottle uh, with the sword. Eventually he misses the bottle completely and slices <laughs> his own fucking throat. Yes, my friends, there was no killer in this movie. It was a big fucking misunderstanding. David was just so drunk and coked up because we saw him multiple times, you know, uh, snorting coke in the movie with Alice. So he's just so drunk and stoned that he fucking sliced his own throat. But since no one found his phone right away, everyone assumes there's a killer. Oh, shit, there's a killer. Somebody somebody killed David. No one. What's funny is that these are all David's lifelong friends and not a one of them thought, hmm, you know, David is a complete fucking idiot. Maybe is it possible he did it to himself? Uh, now, obviously, you know, uh, with the rain and the storm, everybody's on edge. They find a dead body. It freaks them out, blah, blah, blah. And it just goes from there. So basically, 
the killer in this movie are the victims. Basically, as as they suspect someone else to be the killer, they end up taking them out, sometimes purposely, like with Greg, sometimes by accident, because um, we start to get um, all the people that we don't see die in the film. We start to get the explanation uh, with Emma. You know, um, everybody thought that Emma was pushed down the stairs. What actually happened was Sophie gave her some of those drugs and apparently she tripped or passed out or something at the top of the stairs, fell down the stairs by accident, killing her. But Sophie didn't want to tell anybody because they thought they would suspect her of being the killer. Mm -hmm. So there you go, folks. No killer. Just a big fucking misunderstanding. It felt like the end went for like the clue thing where it's like, which one is the killer? You're all the killers because you are all too idiotic to uh, just yep. stop and properly assess, assess the situation and make it about something else or yourself every time. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the moral of this movie is <laughs> rich people can't be friends. I, I don't know. Rich people aren't true friends because, like I said, these friendships deteriorated the instant there was any kind of suspicion as to someone being the killer, which just we've seen this a lot with whodunits. You know, I mean, maybe not to this extent where literally every person in the movie killed was killed um, either accidentally or you know, in, in the case of B, she killed Greg because she thought Greg was going to attack Sophie. Um, that's the only one that you could really call a, well, no, even yeah, the then, rest though, of them are all even, accidental because Alice is accidentally shot in the neck. Jordan is accidentally thrown over the railing, the banister down to the lower floor. Um, obviously, Pete Davidson did it to himself. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, once I saw, I, mean, I already was not in a good place mentally with this movie. I had already, you know, felt like I'd taken as much of this film as I possibly could. And then they give us that ending. And my friends, I understand it's supposed to be funny. I understand that we're supposed to look at it and just be like, ah, oh, Pete, you know, Pete Davidson, what an idiot. You know, he got himself killed. Ha ha ha. But it's like, I can't get past the fact that what five innocent people are dead right now because of a misunderstanding. Again, I understand it's a parody. I just didn't find it funny or entertaining. So that's pretty much it for me. I think I've said my piece. Yeah. I think that, I think seeing that TikTok is what caused Kim Kardashian to break up with him. Awesome. Maybe. I, mean, I was saving that one. I was saving that. <laughs> that Holy shit. That's funny. Maybe Kim Kardashian uh, didn't like this movie either. <laughs> she saw a screener and was like, fuck it. I'm done with you. <laughs> Which would actually make me like her somewhat. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, God. Can we get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah, I would say even when they went to confront Mike, Greg about this shit. Yeah, they were no, I'm going to keep talking about it. They uh I think they went in there too convinced he was the killer too, which obviously set that all off, but Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, like, I think that was pretty much the point, right? Some people are going right? to find this premise funny. Some people are going to, you know, they're going to find the premise funny, they're going to find the ending funny. I I'm not saying that no one is going to enjoy this movie. Obviously, more people enjoy it than don't enjoy it. Like I said, I understand that I'm in a minority on this one, but Man, I, I just can't, even when I watch a bad movie, even when I watch something like Aquarium of the Dead, which I think is an absolute atrocity to cinema, there's at least one or two things in it that I might be able to pick out that I that either make me laugh, 
that I can laugh with ironically or that I just find kind of cool for whatever it is, you know, for whatever it's worth. There's nothing about this movie I enjoyed. Now, does that make me just a crotchety old man that doesn't quote unquote get it? Maybe. Maybe. Like I said, I understand that this is a satire. I understand what they're satirizing. I just. I just can't get into this movie. I'm sorry. Like I said, I think I'm just too old for this movie. I think I think that's really the long and the short of it. This movie's not for me. I'm too old. When I go to watch an A24 movie, I, I want to watch, you know, at least a moderately serious horror film. You know, not like I wouldn't accept a horror comedy from A24, but it's got to be better than this one, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. Um, that's going to do it for this episode and the movie discussion but uh before we get out of here let's do some promoting so venom what else uh you got for people to listen to right now all right so uh you know still latest episode of creature comforts is still episode 11 where we look at phil tippett's mad god uh same thing with the main show the latest episode is still episode 47 sorry folks i got the hiccups out of nowhere for no reason (laughs) i'm not even drinking um uh, where we looked at a couple of classic uh, haunted house movies, uh, The Haunting and The House on Haunted Hill. Um, I don't have any guest spots currently. Uh, <coughs> oh, right. <laughs> again, uh, let's see. Last week's episode of The Horror Countdown, which I'm sure uh, Don will go over again. Uh, I was on with the uh, where we looked at our top 10 Spanish language horror films. Um, I'm also in the middle of my um, summer series um, participation with the t- uh, with the podcast Under the Stairs. In fact, in two days, this coming Tuesday, we'll, we'll be recording my final episode for the summer series. And that's where we look at the sixes. That's uh, 1976, 86, 96, and 2006. And try to come up with the third best movie of all of those years. Um, is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, I would say I listened to your T Putz episodes for summer series, and I think I think all of them, but the last one, I I agreed with what movie went through, but they were all fun conversations. Yeah, all four of my movies got through. I was really happy. Me and Dave Z, I think, were the only ones where all four of our movies went through. So I, I, I felt cool. like a, I felt like a honorable Z brother. nice yeah i didn't want to like specify in the details because people should listen but yeah thought it was really fun episodes um okay and and that's it for you i believe so yes okay uh all right don how about you yeah um as mentioned we have creature comforts uh we should be gearing up for a new episode sometime soon um now that the uh, summer series uh, hiatus that has taken uh, Derek and Venom away from uh, me, uh, essentially, uh, is almost over. So uh, look for a new episode, uh, probably either the last week of the month or uh, the 1st of September. I think that'll just be depending on when we can get together for that one again. Um, yeah. Um, again, uh, the second to last episode, uh, last week's episode um, on Horror Countdown was Venom, where we looked at uh, top 10 Spanish horror. Um, the current episode is a top 10 PG-13 horror with uh, Lacey Lou's sister, Nikki. So, yeah, that one uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, trying to think back, I 
think there's just the uh, guest spot on uh, the Nightclub podcast, which uh, is recorded, but I don't know when uh, that's going to come out because I don't know their schedule. They said that there was a couple that they had pre-recorded because uh, one of the things for the uh, guest shuffle, the uh, recording schedule uh, shuffle was because there was a... Uh, a work incident with one of the hosts. So they were stockpiling episodes. Um, So they have a couple of stuff recorded. So that way they'll have uh, stuff to release for um, the hiatus that they're going to take because the host is going away. I I don't remember exactly what they said, but uh, mine is uh, recorded and in the can ready to go. uh, Essentially from what I'm told, Um, that is uh, a belated shark week. Look at Sharknado, which, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, uh, I, like I said, I, I, I it, it is recorded. It's uh, on their end, um, but I don't know when that is going to be released. So I'll probably just keep bringing it up until it is just because uh, when it gets released is just as much a shock to me as it will be to you guys. Since uh, I, I never worked with them before and I don't know how far ahead they release their stuff. So, um It'll probably be next week. It'll probably be sometime in September. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, be on the lookout for that. And I think that's it. Okay, cool. Um, As far as I go, No More Room in Hell, number 47 is out. And what else? Uh, The latest episode, which I think is the third episode. I'm not really numbering them, but... uh, it's still so early in it. I can I can just remember third episode of Watch This Movie. Mike is out with guest Brian Sammons, uh, and, and we you know talk ab- about his kind of like origins with the genre, how he got into it, how he got into all the stuff with books and editing and that. And then after that, we discuss his love of Friday the Thirteenth for the final chapter, why it's uh, the Woo! definitive entry to him, and why just overall for the genre, why it was you know, an important movie to his horror fandom. So, and that's the kind of thing with this, with, with that sidecast, I kind of want to make it like clear as like, yeah, some people are going to pick like the big known horror. It, it just, it's just what, what movie is important to you and why. And it's not even like the most important. It's very kind of open-ended. Um, so yeah, we went from like, Doug Tilly picking something I'd never even heard of to like Salem's Law and then Friday 13th 4. So it, it's it's always going to be random, but that's out now. And other than that, I think No More Room in Hell, the next one is supposed to be getting recorded this coming up Sunday, right? I think we said the no. 21st, as long as. No. Oh, we didn't? No, we did not. Okay. <laughs> then so I'm, I'm maybe recording like, something else the 21st. Maybe it got thrown out and then we didn't do it or we said no to that day but um okay well in that case we are not recording on the 21st (laughs) and uh maybe the 28th i don't know but uh, that's what i have on my calendar okay then that's what i just mixed up the two then um and other than that you know working on some stuff but i'm assuming since venom didn't say anything not ready to announce anything yet but uh, other I'm going to say next week I'm going to announce it because we have our first guest lined up. We uh, we kind of already know what we're going to talk about, obviously. Uh, we just have to find a date. And if that's all we uh, need is to find a date, then I think it's safe to announce it. So I'm going to say next week Mike and okay. I will have an announcement on our newest 
podcast, the newest member of the No More Room in Hell family. Yeah, I feel like we're on the cusp of getting that first one recorded, so it's probably safe pretty soon. Definitely. Yeah, I think. Cool. Um, well, I didn't look ahead to see. Is there something, you know, anything theatrical yes. coming out this week? That you oh, know? nothing theatrical, n- nothing theatrical, but I had I've heard some good things about Glorious. Yeah, that was. Oh, that's I, hitting Shutter. OK, yep. that already hit Shutter. That uh, yeah, it came out last week. Yeah. Thursday or Friday. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Glorious did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. shit. I might watch that tonight. Yeah, because, you know. um, like I said, I think Glorious came out, and then I, I've i been leaning towards hearing that Day Shift. I thought that one sounded kind of interesting. Yeah, action, kind of a action horror comedy about vampires. I just don't trust Jamie Foxx. Yeah, like, what's I'm saying? I, I, didn't know, genre I, didn't think, hmm. I didn't think it was worthy enough to being on the show. It's just something that I was kind of curious of, just because, like you said, Jamie Foxx and action yeah. comedy with vampires. <laughs> that's my yeah, wife that's is what a big I was, vampire fan, so I'll probably watch it with her and report back. Yeah, yeah, I might check it out, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, is this like a comedic version of Blade without the comic connections and just like <laughs> random? Because I was like, what? well, the thing is, I didn't even know it was a vampire movie. Mm-hmm. I just kind of saw like the poster out there. And then it started showing up in actual like ads, and so I like looked into it, and I was like, I read the synopsis, I was like, what? This is vampire? Okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, we just we have plenty of straight horror movies to cover. Yeah, I think Glorious is out there. Um, there's a couple others. Um, I know that they did. There's something called Hypochondriac, which sounded interesting. That's right. I did see a poster for that. Yeah. And then the the Alex Krieg movie that we didn't do last week, which is probably not ultra fresh anymore. But... Oh well, that you, we can still save that because that's coming to Shutter in September, I think. Oh okay, even better. Yeah, that uh, I think I think it's uh, September October. I I know Shutter's schedule for September and October, and it's in there. So okay. we can uh, we'll, save. We'll it. do a not so fresh movie. <laughs> well, it'll be uh, fresh for the release because we've done that before, where we've where we've uh, either accidentally skipped the VOD thing to do the platform release or vice versa. So, yeah, and I think one of the remaining weeks this month, I think the Orphan prequel comes out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's the following week or the last week, but so, anyways, yeah, we will be back next week, probably looking like glorious. But I'll never say 100% ever again because too many things happen. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you on the next episode of Fresh Cuts. Let's say bye, listeners. Later. Adios, folks. Please stay off the Internet. Go get some sunshine every now and again. Peace.